gentlemen, it's time for the action in the main attraction here on the Sweet Science Class. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining in to today's episode. And today is a very, very special episode. We have a special guest. He's actually a professional ring announcer for many different sports. It is Christian Smith, who was also a writer, started out as a writer for FightNews.com, which allowed him to do interviews with many greats in boxing. He's had interviews with Oscar De La Hoya, Manny Pacquiao, Julio Cesar Chavez, his son, Jesse James Leha, Freddie Roach. Butterbean, and many more, which we'll get into in this interview. He announces all combat sports, such as boxing, but also MMA and wrestling. He's currently the announcer for USA Boxing, Rocks Extreme Combat, Tough Texan, and Quicksilver Hill Sports and Entertainment. So thank you so much for joining me, Christian. How you doing, buddy? Well, I'll tell you what. I just want to say thanks to all of you for having me. I've heard the show's. I've been impressed with the, the knowledge that you guys have, and I can feel the passion that you have for the sweet science. I love the name, and I just want to say thanks for having me as a guest. I'm really excited. Thank you, man. That actually means a lot because I can just tell right back how passionate you are, especially when you get all into that famous tagline intro you got. And I'm sure you all already heard, he did our intro. And he has given us permission to use that in the intro whenever we want. So I cannot thank Christian Smith enough. That was unbelievably nice. He did not have to do that. He didn't have to allow us to have that. So thank you for that, Christian. I can't. I really can't say thank you enough. Well, it's my pleasure. Okay, so let's just hop right into it. I'm going to ask some things just kind of about your career because you've got quite a resume in this. You said this all started when you were about 22. Yeah, um, I was, I first got involved as an announcer on the independent wrestling scene in San Antonio, and I'd always been, you know, a huge boxing fan, and I, I'd gotten to, you know, know a couple of the guys. I used to work on a TV show where I, I got to interview Jesse James Leha, who was active at the time, and I got to attend several of the local events, and after one of uh, the bouts, it was James Coker versus Alex Rios. I sent in the results to fightnews.com, which is a very prominent boxing website. And they just responded by saying, do you want to be a correspondent in San Antonio? And I said, yeah. And I really didn't know what I was getting into, but the first assignment I had was to interview Oscar De La Hoya. Wow. <laughs> I'd never done anything for him. And they, they just said Golden Boy, it was when Golden Boy Promotions first started out and they had a show in San Antonio where Jesse James like I fought on it and Oscar would make appearances just to create uh, excitement and hysteria. And the, the, the for me, 
to be like, okay, this is the first guy you're going to interview. It was kind of overwhelming just seeing him in person after, you know, following his career ever starting in, you know, the 92 Olympics and then, you know, pay-per-view after pay-per-view and the people just love Oscar, especially in San Antonio. And so I got to interview Oscar and yeah, it was quite exciting. And then, and then several, several other uh, uh, pretty prominent names that came through the area. So when you were writing for them, were your intentions to always be an announcer? Were you wanting to be a writer? Did one come for, you know what I mean? Did one come or make the other happen? How did that all work out? Uh, well, that's a good question. I mean, everything kind of just came about organically. I, when I was writing, what I loved so much about it was the fact that I got to get <laughs> like front row seats complimentary because I was pressed yeah and everybody was very accommodating to me because they knew that they would get a better story uh, the more information they gave me and the more time that they gave me so I was you know I mean really really soon within a year or two I mean I was talking to some of the top names in all of boxing I couldn't believe it it was it was uh you know, it was, it was very exciting, and, and I loved doing it, and it was a good time for me to get to meet, you know, several of the who's who, the, the TDLR, or the promoters, or the fighters, or the trainers, or the cut men, even fans, enthusiasts. I, I got to make a lot of connections. I did it for years. I did it for Fight News for years, and then I did it for BoxingTalk.com, and I, I got to interview a lot of big-name fighters that I was surprised that I even got to interview. So when did you get your first chance to start going to the ring announcing? Well, I started, if, if you're familiar with professional wrestling, Loved it, it Shawn growing Michaels. up, for sure. Yeah, Shawn Michaels, um, he's from San Antonio, and yeah. I, you know, I'm from San Antonio, born and raised, and he had gotten hurt really bad, and so he started, he had a back injury when he wrestled Stone Cold Steve Austin, WrestleMania 14, and then he opened up a school on the west side of San Antonio, and um, I one day got to interview Shawn Michaels for a, a cable TV show that I did, and I familiarized myself with a lot of the guys, and they allowed me to eventually become an announcer on the, it's called the indie scene in San Antonio, and for years, I wanted to get a shot at boxing and MMA, but it was very very difficult because a lot of these promotions and you know especially like tv promotions i mean they've been using the same guy for the past 10 15 20 25 years right. and so it was hard to break in or they would have a radio dj or or, or or somebody like that and so finally i got my first shot at boxing with fito martinez at triple a promotions in laredo in 2014 and uh, it was a long time coming. It felt really good and uh, quite different than pro wrestling. Very different, actually, but um, very rewarding. And, and uh, I really loved it. it it's, I've fallen in love with it ever since. And, and now I'm, I'm doing more, more than ever. What was your last boxing event that you announced? It was this past Saturday night in Wittenberg, Wisconsin at the Ho-Chunk Gaming Casino for uh, Hall of Famer, five-time world champion, Virgil Hills, Quicksilver, Hill, Sports and Entertainment. He had a 
five bouts up there in Wisconsin. They flew me up there, and it was a lot of fun, especially get away from this heat <laughs> yeah. Texas that I'm used to. And then to be the voice of a guy like that, that's that's the last time I, I now. So this past Saturday night. That's awesome. That's That's really, really cool. So out of all your interviews, I was going to ask this already, but it might have been your first one because you started out with a bang, but who was your favorite interview that you ever got to do? Oh, wow. Oh, that's a good question. You know, personally, when I when I got to interview Jesse James Leha because, you know, he's from San Antonio and I'm from San Antonio and I grew up hearing about him, it would probably have to be him. And we, we also, we got to, it was, it was uh, we did an interview at a state, Alamo Stadium in San Antonio where we weren't hounded by press that day. He just showed up and just talking, boxing with him and learning from him. I would probably have to say, was it Ben Leja? Was it the biggest name? Well, no. But for me personally, just because the whole connection of the hometown San Antonio thing. It was- right. I can definitely see that. I got to ask, what was it like interviewing Manny Pacquiao? See, that I got a good story about. That was in, I believe, uh, September of 03. Oh, wow. And Manny Pacquiao, yeah, was 24 years old. I mean, we're, we're almost the exact same age. And that was before he really had his breakout fight. And I remember I was right for fight news and I had to go to the press conference and the press conference was held at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio and Oscar De La Hoya was there and I could remember one of the promoters or the site coordinators saying you know just like Oscar De La Hoya had his breakout fight against Julio Cesar Chavez and he won that this is going to be Manny Pacquiao's breakout fight when he beats Marco Antonio Barrera and me along with everybody in the crowd was thinking, yeah, right. Right. And at the time, Marco Antonio Barrera was ranked roughly pound for pound number three behind Roy Jones Jr. and Floyd Mayweather. And even some people had him number one. And, and, you know, San Antonio, especially being a city with a heavy Mexican influence, the favorite was Marco Antonio Barrera. And I had to interview Barrera. And when I did... It was just madness. It was at this place called La Villita in, in downtown San Antonio, and he was with De La Hoya. De La Hoya was his promoter at the time, and I had to go in the back of a back of a room to get away from everybody. And we sat down, and I did the interview with him, and he was very calm, very cool, very confident. And my editor at the time was like, "You've got to interview the Filipino guy," and I really didn't want to. <laughs> because nobody really cared about him at the time. And so I had to go to this old police gym on West Avenue where I pulled up and pretty much nobody was there. I mean, maybe a few press people. It was Pacquiao's people and no fans. And (laughs) uh, just Pacquiao's, it was more like his family members. And I couldn't understand the dialogue because that's what he speaks. And so I walked up to him, and it was kind of reluctantly, because I was like, okay, I've got to do it. Let me just get it over with. And he gave me about the weirdest look, and I gave him the weirdest look, 
and I was like, can I, can I talk to you? And we sat down and he was very nice, but he couldn't speak English very well. So I had to keep repeating myself and repeating myself and saying it slowly. I mean, there was just nothing that said superstar like he is now. Right. And I, I just remembered at the end of it, he, he said, I pray nobody get hooked. <laughs> that was kind of the only thing I really understood. And I mean, I, I, I did the best I could with what he said. And he talked about Freddie Roach being such an influence. It took a long time. And there was really nobody even there to translate. I mean, just it, it just blows my mind to know the superstar he's become, not only in boxing but in the world. And to know that, like, I, I was so annoyed because I, I had to interview him that day, <laughs> but but such a special memory. Great, and then that's great. Come fight time at the Alamo Dome, he uh, they, they they started out the fight with. Uh, Pacquiao got knocked down roughly by Barrera, but then after that second round, Pacquiao just dominated Barrera, and the the the, the, the whole the whole dome left angry, and uh, it was just such a shocker. And then that's when Manny became a superstar. So yeah, that's probably the most interesting one out of all of them, I could say. That is that is a that's an amazing story. So out of all the interviews you ever did. What's like the wildest, craziest thing that you ever heard or learned? Maybe a boxer did during a training camp, something that a fan did, just something crazy. The craziest thing you've heard with all your writing and interview days. Well, when Fernando Vargas fought Shane Mosley, he did a tour of the cities. They, they, they didn't fight in San Antonio, but he was doing a tour, especially of the Hispanic of Bay cities and and so he was in san antonio and after he got off of the podium we sat down in the corner and and uh i asked him about whether or not he really you know the critics saying whether he beat winky right or not who he got mad <laughs> really and yeah he started saying you couldn't do this to me and you couldn't do this and 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 kind of even leaned forward on the table and started I mean I thought I was I was Winky Wright he was he, he kind of hit a nerve I could tell it was a controversial fight that he had when he was only 20 but he got the decision but people were saying that Winky should have won and uh, he wasn't happy about but when I when I asked that I could tell he was quite uh, <laughs> opinionated and <laughs> yeah I was telling okay okay and then he kept asking, what'd you write? What'd you write? And he, yeah, that was the only time I, I really had an incident where, where the, the, the guy I was interviewing got a bit peeved or, or angry. Yeah. So yeah, it was with Fernando Vargas. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> and of all the boxing matches that you've got to announce, what's the most memorable, like, main event that you've, you know, what's your most memorable night ring announcing? You know, it, it, it probably would, I kind of, I've, I've got two. One was in my hometown of Laredo when a um, female boxer by the name of Mandy Fuentes was fighting a, a girl out of, or a lady out of New York who was the oldest world champion at the time. She was, I think, 47, Eileen Olszewski. Mm-hmm. It was uh, for a world title. It was a WBC green belt was there and everything. 
and it was a rematch of a draw they had in New York. And Mandy got knocked down early on, but then persevered, and it appeared as though Mandy had won. And the, the crowd was electric because she was a hometown girl, you know, her, her nickname is Lover's favorite daughter. And I remember getting, because it gets printed out, the TDLR is really good about that. They will print out the results so, you know, you don't say it wrong. And they printed it out. And uh, when I got the results, I looked at the, the commissioner. I won't say his name. And I, and, I, and I tried to say, look, they got it wrong. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was so, and, and, he, and he goes, just go. And I was like, okay. And I just remember getting up in the ring and hearing in the crowd, and the new, and the new, and people were so happy and so excited, and it broke my heart because I've, I've built a, a good relationship with men, even though I, I never, I never cheer for a particular fighter. I never do that. I'm, I'm, I'm never biased, but still, I, I mean, the world thought that, that Mandy won. I had to, I, I, I knew in just a few seconds, what I was about to say was going to anger a lot of people. Right. And I mean, that's you know part of the fun of being the ring announcer is you find out the result before yeah. anybody. And it just sucked the wind out of the the uh, arena, and people were very upset. People were very angry, and it just it brought forth so many emotions, just like the way boxing does. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and people were so mad. It was that moment, and then that was probably tied with this past April. I was announcing for Quicksilver Sports and Entertainment in in Newtown, North Dakota, which is population less than two thousand people. But the uh, it was at a casino uh, on an Indian reservation, and it was Ronald Cruz versus um, Javier El Chino. Flores from Puerto Rico. Uh, Ron, Ron Cruz is from uh, the Los Angeles area, and it was like I think Cruz is fifteen and one, and, and Flores was fourteen and one. So a very good matchup, and for uh, two different titles, and that one meant a lot to me because that was my first time announcing on national television. Oh wow! And so it was like it was very exciting because I mean. You know, it was, you know, a couple of years ago, I was just fighting to get the, the shot at announcing at any boxing MMA show. I mean, just anywhere. I didn't care, just any, as long as it was professional. And then, you know, it was my first time with that. It actually aired on cable television, internationally even. And so it was just a, it was a, it was a big, big highlight for my career. And if, if I got a third choice, it would be back in December in Salt Lake City when I announced for uh, USA Boxing Olympic Trials 1. And that was like, you know, I'm used to announcing about, on average, about seven fights a night at a pro card. This one, there was 700. Really? And so, yeah, what, at Nationals, it's a week-long tournament. And I, I, I really didn't know it was a great experience, but I got there, got up to a podium, and there were four different rings. And so all different age groups, all different weight categories, and then ultimately on the final day, 
there were actually boxers that earned a shot at the Olympic trials, which are going to happen in December now in uh, Louisiana. And that right there, knowing I was going to, no, knowing I was announcing for future Olympic athletes was like, wow. So yeah, it was it was exciting. I'm going to be watching the the next Olympics with a vested interest, um, unlike I've ever had. You know, knowing that I got to announce for these fighters and they were so focused, and I never wanted to do the amateur game because I thought, well, if I do pro, I mean, that's a step down from me. Mm-hmm. But when I got this opportunity to be the USA boxing announcer, uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> um, to do it and, and, and to see how seriously those fighters take it, you know, especially knowing that they is amateur, but I mean, they train so hard and it's so intense and they come I mean they'll drive for two or three days and you've got to have a, a solid packing whether it's a coach or your, your parents but I mean the fire and the passion in these kids that I saw I was amazed I had no idea that it existed and and we're really hoping that USA Boxing can become a force again in the Olympics because it's it hasn't really been too successful in the, in, in, in the past couple Olympics. I mean, there's usually like, you know, maybe one guy that medals the past couple, you know, times out. But it was really interesting getting to, to uh, meet, like, Coach Billy. He's from Ireland. He's the head coach of the USA boxing team and several other prominent people. And, and uh, that day, you know, I got to see – you know, legends like Virgil Hill and Fernando Vargas and, and uh, Kendrick Relaford, like other professional fighters that would make the trip to go there to work the corner of a boxer from their gym. Right. So it showed me how significant it was to, to, to be at a, a tournament of that level. So, yeah, that's my complex answer to, to uh, I guess it'd have to be those three things kind of combined into one. Oh, that's all are awesome. And it, it kind of makes sense when they're down that you know, at the amateur level, driving, and you say they're so determined, because I guess their hunger level is still completely maxed, because they haven't made it technically, so yeah, I bet their desire yeah. is on a million. Yeah, and I mean, a smattering of cultures, I mean, from all over the United States, all different races, I mean, all different ethnic backgrounds, it was just like, wow, I mean, you had people from Hawaii, I mean, that, that team comes to fight, of course, you know, places like Texas, California, Florida will have the most representatives. But, I mean, if, I mean, they, they take it so seriously. And, I mean, tensions will boil over. And I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just glad not to be one of the officials. I could, I could tell you that much um, as far as being a referee or a, uh, a judge. Because, uh, I mean, yeah, they come to win. You, you know, you, you drive two or three days, you're spending money on gas and, and hotels, you come to win, and uh, you, you know, got to fifty percent of hearts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, it it was interesting because I'd never ever done anything on the amateur level really before that, and now I know how it it it, uh, it is so vital and important in the professional careers. 
I never thought of it that way, but the more in-depth you had as an amateur, more time you had in success as an amateur, like, you know, Vasily Romachenko, two-time gold medalist. Right. Um, you know, Chris medaled, Anthony Joshua medaled, Gentle Wilder um, medaled, Bonds Barmer, uh, Andre Ward. I, I mean, the, the greats, you know, a lot of the times medaled in the Olympics, and it's, it's very instrumental to having a successful career because that's when you get molded into being you know a great fighter yeah and it seems like their career kind of gets a jump start like Lomachenko is a great example they're getting title shots within the first 10 fights yeah the first two for him yeah yeah and, that was uh, crazy most other people got to go uh, like 20 fights or so for an opportunity like that so that tells you exactly. what the amateur or the olympic boost can give you exactly exactly now that we covered all your your awesome resume and background. Before we get you out of here, I wanted to run down just a bunch of topics of you know current things going on in boxing. Just since you're inside the game, just want to see what your thoughts are, what your opinions were on some of these fights and the upcoming. Got a couple rematches, a trilogy, a lot of crazy stuff. And I was already going to ask you this, and ironically, before we started recording, when I called Christian, he said he was currently watching AJ Ruiz for another probably many, many, many times because it was an epic match. I was already going to ask. That was the first thing on this little list I had. So what were your thoughts going into it? Did you give Ruiz a chance at all? What did you think that night? And what do you think about the rematch? Do you think it will be the same or different? Well, I mean, really good question. And did I give Ruiz a chance? Yes, I did. Did I know he was going to win? No, I didn't. And I got a funny story about it. I was, um, that night I was in Corpus Christi, Texas, because I was announcing for a women's tackle football all-star game. And after the game, I wanted to see the fight, but I didn't think it was going to be something that I had to see. So I wasn't that urgent to get to a place. And there was a Dave and Buster's my, my friend was at. And so I was driving there. And right when I got there, I got there right after Ruiz got the TKO, and I looked up, and I saw Ruiz with the belt, and my jaw hit the floor. And the door guy kept trying to talk to me, like, hello, sir, can I help you? And I, I couldn't even talk for about five minutes. <laughs> and and I was just like, wait, wait just, can you hold on a second? And, and then like, and then even my wife and my daughter, let's go sit down. And I was just like, I just stared at the TV. And, and I saw Ruiz walking down the aisle with the belt. You know, that fight reminded us why we love this sport you never know what is going to happen and I mean look at Joshua taller undefeated has a body like a bodybuilder Ruiz look at him you never thought he'd have a shot at beating dethroning Joshua here was a replacement on two weeks notice and I had seen Ruiz fight before, and the reason why he stood out to me was because when I did see him fight, that physique with those skills is what I remembered. And so, I, yeah, I gave him a chance. And what I think happened, not to take away from Ruiz, because he deserves all the credit in the world, but I do think Joshua overlooked him. And I, another thing about Joshua, and I remember I was, I was having lunch with heavyweight David Rodriguez, David El Nino Rodriguez from, from El Paso, 
a couple months ago, and we were talking about Joshua, and he said after his victory over Klitschko, he hasn't seen the same fire, and that's true. Because when he had his fight with uh, Joseph Parker, and I thought that fight was even... It was pretty close. Nobody fight. else did, but... Yeah, very close. But I, mean, I thought Parker... I thought it was even. And then when he fought Povetkin, Povetkin was winning in the beginning of that fight. And then Joshua came back. But I'm starting to think Joshua's killer instinct or drive maybe isn't there anymore. And, I mean, I I think he's great for the sport. He's eloquent. He's well-spoken. He looks like a champion. I like the guy, even though he knocked out my idol, Vladimir Klitschko. I like the guy. But... I just haven't seen a, a monster in there like I did that night when he did knock out Vladimir Klitschko. As to whether or not I'm correct, we're going to see that. As to whether or not they should have a rematch, absolutely, because Joshua did give Ruiz the chance, and Joshua should have the chance to redeem himself. As to where, I mean, I don't think it's far-fetched for Joshua to expect Ruiz to come to England because Joshua came to the United States. I think they I did think finally fair. agree on America. Oh, they did? I think so. I think Joshua okay. feels like he has to come back and do what he could not do. Okay. Okay, well, that's, that makes the most money. They were also talking about Mexico, but... Yeah, um, I didn't think that would win. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, no. It's just there hasn't been a major significant fight there in years. And if they go to UK, it puts it on in the daytime. That loses a lot of that yeah. big heavyweight appeal. I agree with you completely. It, it that attraction of it's got to be nighttime when it's dark out, and you got a beverage in your hand. <laughs> exactly. Judging by the way you're talking about Joshua, it makes me think you think Ruiz is going to win the rematch again. Yes. Okay, that, that's kind of where I'm at. I don't think it was a fluke. I think he will win the rematch. Very simple. Another rematch on the horizon. Wilder Fury, first fight. Was it a draw? Did you agree with that? You're going to be surprised. Yes. And here's why. Tyson Fury did outbox Deontay Wilder. But Wilder did knock Fury down twice. And in that 12th round, referee Jack Reese, who's a great ref, I feel as though he could have just as easily waved the bout, but he is a great ref. Jack Reese, he knows what he's doing. I'm not criticizing him, but I'm saying he could have just as easily waved the bout when Fury was flat on his back as he did count. You know, it's a 50-50 thing, so I think that Fury has the argument, I outboxed him, and he did. But Wilder also said, well, he could have very easily be counted out. It was a great heavyweight bout. And it was the best heavyweight bout this century, in my opinion. It was exciting. It was the best two. It was USA versus England. Uh, the best two heavyweights in the division. And going back to earlier when I said we got reminded why we love boxing, that reminded us why we love boxing. I mean, you're, you're, my heart, I just remember my heart pounding when I saw Fury getting up. Yeah. Uh, that that, that so, 12th round gave me emotions that I haven't felt in a boxing match in many years. Exactly. I mean, my heart was just pounding, and I, 
a moment like that, I mean, yeah, it was an awesome fight, and it has to happen again. I don't know why they won't do it. I'm hearing that Wilder and Ortiz, too, may fall through so that they can speed up Wilder Fury, too. I kind of hope that is the case. I do want to see the Wilder Fury rematch. If they were to do that next, giving, you know, what we saw Wilder do to Brazil, what we saw Fury do to Schwartz, and they've already had 12 rounds to see each other, who do you think wins the rematch? Do you think Fury outboxes him, or do you think Wilder catches him for good this time? Oh, that's such a good question, and why everybody's going to watch it. I can't not, I just can't give a straight answer. Oh, man. And, and that Wilder Ortiz fight was a great, great heavyweight bout. The only reason why a lot of people don't talk about it and they don't really want a rematch is, I hate to say this, but those Cuban boxers just don't have a solid fan base. Right. Um, you see with, with Erslandi Lara and, and Joel Casamayor a couple of years ago, they have a great amateur program. They're always metal in, in, in the Olympics, but Yoriokas Gamboa, I think he, he's he's Cuban. Yes, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, but they just don't have a quality fan base in the United States, and that's why I mean, because that was Wilder Ortiz was awesome, and Ortiz is an awesome heavyweight. I mean, he does look like King Kong, and he does punch like King Kong. So would I want to see it? Absolutely. But I probably, I just the Cuban following just isn't there. Really don't know why. But, you know, it's unfortunate for Ortiz. It's not fair for Ortiz or the other Cuban fighters. But that's why, I mean, the lack of interest in the Cuban fighters is why, you know, more people are talking about Wilder Fury Part 2. But it was a great fight. And I think it should happen uh, one year after their first fight. Because, I mean, this is boxing. And just like what we saw with Ruiz Joshua, anybody can lose. And I don't want either one to lose before they fight again. Exactly. Especially in the heavyweight division. It, any fight is too scary. It's too risky. Yeah. Felix and I talked about it on a previous podcast episode. That night was a slap in the face from the boxing gods saying, Stop delaying fights to make money. Fight now. One of you is going to lose your zero. And now, while they're Joshua... Kind of doesn't have that excitement anymore. Yeah. I mean, it probably won't until, you know, Joshua's going to have to beat Ruiz. He has to. That's the only way. That's the only way to get that flare back for this fight. That's it. He has to conquer Ruiz in the rematch, get the belts back. Then we can maybe revisit that. But until then, Wilder and Fury and Ruiz are the, the three top dogs. So, keeping, yeah. keeping the rematch sure. discussion going, this is a trilogy possibility do you want to see the triple g canelo trilogy match well here's the thing action wise yes but i'm a fan of both guys i i just thought their first two fights were awesome they were very even and to me it was two draws and, but i mean the skill level that both of them possess and how hard they hit for middleweights is so strong and uh, I mean, Canelo's probably the biggest star in boxing. I, well, somebody could argue that with me, but 
Um, he's got to have a I dance partner. Is. Yeah, and I think that Triple G, I mean Triple G has power in, in that middleweight division. He's eighty-five percent KO percentage, and of course. After he beat, you know, Rolls in his last fight, you know, all the haters came out. No, he beat a bum, and then, you know, look, it was just because Triple G's that good. He hits that hard. There could have been a better fighter, I'm sure, like Andrade or somebody, or, or the Charlos, that they could have matched up with Triple G. But you can't, you know, not every single time uh, fight the best possible opponent. I mean, I would like to see a third, yeah, but I, I just, right now they're both top five pound for pound in most people's lists, and definitely on mine, and it would be, I think it would be extremely exciting, and if not Triple G, then who would be Canelo's next opponent for his, for his DFC face weekend, uh, you know, annual pay-per-view? I don't really know who it would be. Yeah, I hear uh, Callum Smith is an option, but and I'm a big fan of Callum Smith, but a lot of the casual fans aren't really going to know who that is. Yeah, he's from England, right? Right. He be yeah. he won the WBSS by defeating George Groves and retiring him in the finals. Yes, he is very good. I yeah, I remember him now. But yeah, like you said that it, it, I mean people want to see Triple G. And that's what's going to sell better. And I thought, yeah, like their first two fights were a draw. If I had to pick a winner the first time, it would have been Triple G. If I had to pick a winner the second time, it would be Canelo. But, yeah, definitely I would be very hyped to see a third one. You don't fear that Triple G's age will maybe make this one not as close? I didn't see it. And everybody says, oh, he's slowing down. Well, I just think they're saying that because he's 37. I didn't see it at all. He looked in great shape. He's got a new trainer, which could be good or bad. I just didn't see him looking any less of what he used to look like. So right, yeah. and I think I think maybe to give him some credit and you know go against people saying he looks super old. Like you said, he did have a new trainer. He could have been trying new stuff in the first couple rounds, and he was taking a lot of shots. But maybe he was just trying new things, experimenting. You know, we don't know. He did, he'd only had four or five weeks with Jonathan Banks at that point. So we'll just need to see with the next one. I personally hope Triple G fights the winner of this Saturday's fight, Andrade and Selecki. Because if he could get a yeah. belt, then have the trilogy with Canelo, it could be for all four belts undisputed. And that would be pretty amazing. Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't even think about it like that. And they could do that in December. And that it would be tough to top are. that. That would be epic trilogy for all the belts. They would sell the hell out of that. And call it undisputed or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I hope happens. I hope. I assume Andrade wins Saturday. I hope Triple G fights Andrade. If he can win there, boom! You y'all have set you up a, a massive paycheck night. Yes, for sure. I agree. Before we wrap this up completely, I'm gonna touch on the two upcoming PBC pay-per-views. They're keeping it in-house, but I'll admit both fights are pretty entertaining. The first one is actually coming up in less than a month. I'm, I'm getting more and more excited about it each day. Manny Pacquiao, Keith Thurman. What do you think about that fight? What do you think about Manny being 40? Keith looking kind of odd in his comeback fight, almost getting knocked out by Lopez. There's just so many question marks over both of them. I don't know what to think. Well, 
I mean, here's the thing. Manny won his fights on phenomenal hand speed, hand-eye coordination, reflexes, and angles. And as you age, that's what is the first to go. The guys that had more success in their 40s, I and mean, look at Foreman, he relied on his power. Vitaly Klitschko uh, relied on his power. Even though Vladimir lost, he still looked like a million dollars. Just He lost the best heavyweight in the world at the time. Hopkins was using boxing strategy and, and kind of some dirty tactics. But he won. I mean, when is it going to be the end for Manny? And Manny has been in some wars. He has um, 70. This will be his 71st fight he has 70 fights under his belt i mean everything that happened with his four fights with juan manuel marquez uh he fought marco antonio barrera twice he, he did fight mayweather i could go on and on and on but yes yeah, 70 fights he's 40 and he still seems to be you know speaking well the boxing fan in me every time he fights i love it because he's so skilled but the human being in me, the human in me is just saying, when is enough enough? As far as Thurman goes, didn't look good against Josecito Lopez. Lopez almost won. Picked the wrong opponent for being off two years. But Thurman is undefeated, um, decently spoken, has very impressive victories on his resume, like Porter and, and, and Garcia, Dan Garcia. Am I interested in it? Absolutely. But I'm just, I don't want to see Manny hurt. But he's his own man. He's a grown man, and he can make his own decisions. So it sounds like you're leaning to Thurman maybe hurting the old man? I don't want to see it. But I'm afraid, I'm afraid so. That's kind of where we're leaning. We've been talking about it, you know, just privately. Felix and Jakeem and I and... It's kind of where we're leaning. We think it could be Thurman's night. It could be time to pass the torch. But I like Manny, too. So it would be super epic and unbelievable to see him take Thurman zero at the age of 40. That, that would be incredible. Would. I would enjoy it. I would enjoy it. And, and I'll be going for Manny just because, the you know, the, the, the connection I had of interviewing him that one time. And for sure. Just that, I mean, the synergy that you build by watching – a guy's fights over the years, you just feel a connection. Um, but, I mean, Thurman's not a bad guy. Seems like he's a decent human being, so... Uh, but, I, but, yeah, I'll be going for Manny Pacquiao that night. Right. And, yeah, and I feel that, and I agree with it. And I have nowhere near the level of comparison like with all you've been through, but um, I don't know if you've heard of him. He just had his Showtime debut a month ago, Michael Dutchover. He's actually from Midland, Texas, where I'm at. He grew up here, born and raised. Now he's in California. I believe he's 13-0. and 0. Like He's one of the up-and-coming prospects right now. We've had him on the show twice, and that is exactly how I feel. You know, I'm I'm super fan of Michael Dutchover just because, like you said, oh, you wow. build that synergy, and you just you want to see them win. Absolutely. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's Mikey D. Shout out to Mikey D. And the last thing, I'm pretty excited about this one because we got to unify two of these belts in the same weight class, 147. It's Thurman and Pacquiao. Errol Spence and Sean Porter. 
I am pretty excited. I think, I mean, I, I think Spence probably wins, but I'm excited for the clash of styles and Porter's rough housing. I hope he, I hope he's rough. He's been trying to kind of box on the outside lately. I want to see a rough Porter try to shove Spence back because I think that's his best opportunity. But what are your thoughts on this one? Are you pretty pumped for this one? Okay, everybody's talking about Errol Spence and uh, Terrence Crawford. And if Spence overlooks uh, Sean Porter, Sean Porter's going to win. But, I mean, Spence has got phenomenal skills. The way he moves and, his, and, you know, his amateur background, he fought in the Olympics. I would probably say I, I, I like Spence 115-113, a unanimous decision. I could see something like that. See, I'm seeing a decision, too. A lot of people are saying Spence will stop Porter. I don't see that. I don't see Porter getting stopped. That's a tough dude. He's not getting stopped. No, he's not. But I... It brings me sad that you bring up, yeah, Spence but Crawford because that is the fight we all want to see. I'm a super – I like all boxing – you know, I like all boxers for the most part. I'm not – I try not to be – I try to keep it, you know, like you said. I don't – I try not to always root because I like to judge fights. I try to be unbiased and fair at all times. So there's few fighters that I say I really, like, latch on to and they're, like, my favorite, but Bud Crawford's that. Like, I mean, he's my – current favorite i have him number one pound for pound i think he's that dude right now and i want to see him versus spence and i just don't think it's going to happen i really don't well it's going to marinate for a while and i agree crawford is number one pound for pound the only reason why i give him the nod over lomachenko is because he has more victories more professional victories and Um, a big thing for me also is the two unified weights oh yeah yeah that's a good point as well yeah, he's the man right now for sure. He just kind of doesn't have many people to fight. It's kind of unfortunate. I'm hearing maybe Kell Brook, and that just doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, he's kind of lost some steam, especially getting beat in his own home country by Errol Spence. Right. Before we get you out of here, are you going to be announcing any upcoming fights? You want any plugs or shout-outs? Anything you want to get out to anybody out there? Oh, well, just definitely thanks to everybody uh, for supporting me. Anybody that uh, ever saw me announce. My next really big project is going to be Tough Texan, T-O-F-F Texan. That's going to be a amateur tournament in Laredo, Texas. Uh, we had Butterbean come down back in March, and that's going to be the first weekend in Laredo, Lifedowns Pavilion. Very exciting. We're going to have the Battle of Laredo. It's going to be a rematch between two very tough guys, Juan Ramirez and Roger Reyes. That's going to be a two-day tournament, and it's going to be some top top dogs, tough guys. You don't have to be a professional. I'm going to be working with Orlando Canizales, who is a former world champion and a 2009 Boxing Hall of Famer. is on our team. Our CEO, David Leal, is working really hard. I'm excited about that. Then there's several other things that are pending, and I just want to say thank you, Dustin, for having me on your show. Keep it up. I've really enjoyed listening to the previous podcast. The other co-hosts are also very knowledgeable, just like you are. And I very quickly see this becoming one of the top boxing podcasts anywhere. So keep it up. And if you want to have me back on, I'd love to come back. Wow. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, that's that's about as flattering as it gets coming from you. We're hoping to be one of the top boxing podcasts. and. That just 
I think, boosted our inspiration even more. And yes, I was actually going to say, this went very, very well. So I'd already been talking to the guys, and we were saying if it did go well, which it did, I think we're going to start trying to bring you on like once a month and just have kind of like an insider in the game, and we'll just run down what, what's been going on and what's coming up. So if you're down, I would love to have you on You know, once a month as our special reoccurring guest. All right, for sure, man. Thanks so much. And, uh, yeah, uh, next month I'll do it again and uh, be happy to uh, do the interview. Thank you very much, Justin. Thank you, man. I can't thank you enough for being on. And, again, I can't thank you enough for allowing us to use your special little slogan in the ring to be our intro. That, like, truly means a lot to us. So big shout-out to Christian Smith. Kind of like I was saying with the Michael Dutch over thing, now because of this i'm a huge fan of christian smith best ring announcer in the game and i want to see him be on showtime and the zone pretty soon baby and all right man. Just, well, thank you very much yeah thank you man i can't you know thank you for being on and i will hit you up i'll hit you up tonight off here but yeah we'll hit you up in a month or so and we can't wait to have you back on man thanks christian all right man thank you very much bye-bye